Welcome to another episode of the Fuel Your Fandom Podcast. My name is Saint. I want to thank you guys for joining me again. Um, as always, at the top of the podcast, I like to make sure everybody knows where to find us. Uh, you can reach us on our Anchor homepage, which is anchor.fm forward slash Fuel Your Fandom, all one word. And then you can also find us on Facebook, which is just facebook.com forward slash Fuel Your Fandom. I like to make it easy. I forget things. If I made it complicated, I wouldn't know where to go myself. So, But anyways, so I want to thank you guys for coming back for another episode here. Uh, we are just balls deep into the holiday season here. Oof. So uh, it is true. It's, it's lovely to be able to get a chance to just sit down and, and have a conversation. And uh, with me today, I have uh, a friend of mine. We used to work together a couple years ago, and uh, uh, we keep in touch uh, regarding video games and all things nerdy. Uh, Ethan, how are you doing today? I am doing well. Fantastic. Well, like I like to do with uh, all of my podcast guests, I like to kind of kick it over to you, and you can kind of just explain what it is that you're passionate about. Where's your fandom like? What are you nerdy about? Well, I'm nerdy about uh, quite a few things. Uh, video games, Star Wars, um, comic books to an extent. I don't collect them, uh, because then I I just... I haven't for a while either. Yeah, I just get a backlog, and then it's just like, I'm not even reading these things. I downloaded a bunch of comic books. And then you didn't read them, huh? No, and I got a backlog of (laughs) free comic books. It's like, I get them all, and I have the ability and the opportunity to read them, and then I just... I don't have the time. I'm yeah, a grown-up. We buy them more then, I or know. download them for free, which probably exchanges data. That's yeah. how they get us. Yeah, yeah, well, they know who I am. <laughs> but, uh, okay, yeah, so we, we, we kind of connect on a lot of things nerdy. Uh, video games, of course, and Star Wars, and uh, I don't know, are you a Star Trek fan at all? I do appreciate some Star Trek. I'm not, uh, like, I la- the last one I watched was the one with Scott Bakula, which I liked. A lot of people don't. Enterprise, yeah. I enjoyed it. It was thoroughly entertaining. Um, I just it was good background noise too when I was folding laundry or something. So I'd, yeah, I'd much rather watch a, a Star Trek like that I've seen a hundred times before than like a Seinfeld. I know a lot of people talk about Seinfeld and Friends being their background noise, and eh, for me, it's like old Trek because you sometimes you just catch new shit. So yeah, I mean that's true. Like I. I can go with the the next generation and Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine to me makes the best background noise just because it's just... My, my absolute favorite. All these different characters can have these one-off shows and then it just has... Yeah, they had a lot of room to kind of spread out. Yeah, and you can have the, the quirky, fun show where, you know, this character bonds with this character but their personalities don't match but they've been put in that... And it doesn't... The scenario that just forces them to cooperate and then that doesn't have any impact on the overarching story of you know aliens on What's the other side on, of the wormhole right. trying to kill the aliens on this side of the wormhole right so uh i know we like we we talk about star wars a lot yes uh, we have oftentimes very differing opinions of star wars but yes i know one thing that we share uh as of recently Disney Plus put out The Mandalorian. Now I'm gonna do a series. I'm gonna do a show once The Mandalorian wraps up, which is like next week, next Friday or something like that, before the New Year. Yes, they made us wait extra long. I know it's they they released this last episode early to coincide with the release of Rise of Skywalker, which led then, to theories that were nothing. That were nothing. Or were they? Oh, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Stop talking. But 
Uh, I'm going to do a whole wrap-up episode about The Mandalorian, but I know uh, from what I've seen with you posting on social media, you really uh, have taken to The Mandalorian. And, and part of the reason I've taken to it, and I know we agree on this, is because it's less interference be- from the studio, it seems, and we get more creative development from people that we trust in the industry, like uh, John Favreau, and Dave Filioni, who, of course, Dave Filioni was uh, connected with Rebels. Yeah. And didn't he have a hand in Clone Wars as well? Oh, uh, yeah. He was, I think he came in as the showrunner for Clone Wars, like, a season in a, a season or two. And I don't think he started as it. Right, but he definitely um, moved into it. Oh, yeah. And he's kind of carved out a nice little niche for himself in uh, the Star Wars television scheme of things. Yeah. And uh, I think... By and large, so far, again, we're going to have a whole episode uh, just kind of talking about uh, like a post-mortem of season one. But so far, I've really found relatively little to bitch about. And that's weird for me because I find minutiae and shit to bitch about about everything. Yeah, and I mean, it's I, I agree. There's very little to complain about. The references they put in are great. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, the uniqueness of it, though, is that it doesn't have anything to do with the other anything. large characters yeah. as a whole. Like this it's, is its so standalone. Yes, it's, it's its own contained thing. They visited a familiar locale in one of the uh, episodes, but it they didn't really like spend time introducing cameos of characters. Right, it didn't need to be a thing. No, it wasn't a thing. They're just telling a, a story, and um, they just are focused on that. They're not looking at connecting it to a bigger universe i'm sure those shows will come yeah of course they will uh and they're already talking about what they're going to do now they said that the rise of skywalker is going to be the closeout of the skywalker saga we know damn well now that they've developed characters like ray and kylo ren and finn and poe and they're not going to just let them dangle in the breeze there's either going to be extended universe stuff like on dc or on uh, uh, disney plus or they're going to write books of course they're going to write books um True. It'll probably be the books, though, because as it stands, it sounds like all the interviews, they said that uh, the three core people, uh, John Boyega, Dizzy, Daisy Ridley. Yeah, Daisy Ridley. Yeah, okay. Um, and then... Uh, she doesn't strike me as a Daisy. It's weird. The other guy? Boyega, Daisy Ridley, and then Oscar Isaac. Okay, yeah, because I just kind of never saw him anything until Star Wars, so I just... Have you not watched uh, uh, X-Men Apocalypse? I did, but he was in Star Wars before that. Yeah. So I saw. I don't know what the hell he did before Star Wars. I don't know what Daisy Ridley did before Star Wars. I don't know either, which is super weird because, like, I feel like I should have dove into that. Really, the original ones didn't really cause uh, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill's careers to explode. Uh, Not unless you count Cadillac Summer. I don't, because I've never heard of it. It's it's a trash seventies movie that Mark Hamill was in. Of course, of course. I, oh, uh, he was in a movie called, uh, oh my gosh, Laserhawk or something? Laserhawk? I don't know. I just looked up his, like... That looks like his, that sounds like a ballsy uh, 80s I, movie. It was, like, 1997. It had the kid what? from Free Willy just as he was becoming a teenager. Oh, jeez. Like, and... Well, Mark uh, Hamill does fucking everything, which I oh, love about true. him. He's just unabashed. Like, he's done Kevin Smith. He's done... Uh, his own documentaries. You, of course, the voice of the fucking Joker, he does, which is like the lots best of voices. Voice I love hearing Joker. him pop up in a game. I'm like, "Ooh, is Mark Hamill?" <laughs> he was in uh, he was in the Dark Sider series, which is a very fun series. 
Yeah, and uh, I know Nathan Fillion does a bunch of voices and stuff, too. He pops up randomly as well. He does. So, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'm kind of excited to see. Uh, they've been talking about, like, with the fall-through of uh, uh, Weiss and Benahoff's uh, Star Wars trilogy that they were planning on doing. With yeah. them bailing out on that, I know I heard Kate Ka- Kate Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy, whatever yeah. the fuck her name is, Kathleen Kennedy, talking about how now maybe the future of the Star Wars universe would stay kind of small screen and grounded for a while. I'm kind of okay with that, seeing what they've done small screen wise. I'm okay with that because they're really good at seeding things in their small screen stuff mm-hmm. that pay off later down the road. Like, Saw Gerrera, that character... Who was in Rogue One? Started in Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And years now, prior, before Disney even bought the thing, Clone Wars was going before Disney bought it. And now he was also in uh, Jedi Fallen Order. He was in Fallen Order, and he was in Rebels. I just watched an episode where he was in Rebels today. Giving Forrest Whitaker that pocket change. Yeah, <laughs> they just made him like he didn't look like Forrest Whitaker in Clone Wars because he was much younger, and they hadn't really cast Forrest Whitaker yeah. in a movie that hadn't been conceptualized yet so they just had to give him a little slanty eye yeah they just they made, gave him some scars he's battle scarred like that's easy like he had some scars yeah. on his face and stuff and then they made the voice actor like do an impression of Forrest Whitaker yeah it worked it worked I love him in that, and he's fucking psychotic but oh um, dude they go so much more into that in the Clone Wars that's why I love that Filoni the idea of him being in charge of anything is he goes heavy into those character moments mm-hmm. Like, the character moments between uh, Kanan uh, and Ezra, and as he's training, and some of the other things that go on are just super lore-heavy. And it's great, because then they can have a light-hearted episode about, like, the droid not getting along with someone, you know? <laughs> but yeah. then they have these lore-heavy episodes, or these five-part episodes. And I think uh, is also responsible for bringing back Darth Maul, so... There's also that. And he did, he, did. It, he did it in a way that wasn't too shitty. Oh, he brought him into Rebels, too, in an amazing way. Like, he's yeah. awesome in Rebels. Yeah, where he's uh, working with uh, Ezra. Yeah. And, uh, and then, of course, that allowed him to be brought back in Solo as well. Right. Which, you know, Solo got shit on an awful lot. In fact, I did some of the shit in myself. But I'll tell you what. I don't. As time goes on, I don't hate that movie as much as I thought I did. Um, I think it's a lot of missed opportunity. It's boring to me. I yeah. don't necessarily hate it. I a just, heist movie shouldn't be boring. It was. It was right, and it was. Aside from not being entertaining, it actually took away from the Han Solo character arc. You think in it the softened him trilogy. up? Yeah, like uh, I don't giving him his hero roots early. Yeah, exactly. Because he was supposed to go from scoundrel. So everyone he's supposed to go from scoundrel. To hero, mm-hmm. everyone complained when George Lucas like changed one little scene for special edition. No, not the Jabba one. Fucking Greedo. Greedo shooting first. They said the best complaint I heard about that um, was that it changed his character to make him not as much of a scoundrel when he is defending himself. That's understandable by anyone's standards. I agree. Shooting someone outright because there might be a possibility that he'll shoot you makes him a little bit more of a scoundrel and i think that's always been a favorite one of my favorite art parts of han solo's arc was that he started off as this guy who'll just fucking murk somebody in a bar yep that's 
you know, doesn't agree with him or who's, who's trying to bring him in. Who literally says, I ain't in this for the, uh, your rebellion. I'm in it for the princess. money. I'm in this for the money. And he was. Yeah. But we get to see him turn from scoundrel to hero, and that's kind of a very satisfying arc. And I do yeah. feel that like what they did in Solo kind of softened that blow a little bit, which is which is that's regrettable. my biggest gripe with it because like it wasn't entertaining and it actually took away from a very entertaining and fan favorite character arc. And they didn't necessarily need to do it that way, right? They could have had it been just an underworld story, and one of the things that key, this is the nerd in me, that they changed <laughs> is they decided to take the spice mines of Kessel, spice being a drug in the Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. and replace it with the hyperfuel mines. So then they could have a... Uh, chase. Chase, but also they had a big bad, in, and then they had him be the opportunity to help these small rebellion... Against this big crime lord. Which you, you know. couldn't have done with drugs. Right. You still could have done that with... You couldn't have done it as... No, you couldn't have done it with drugs because, like, you're not going to be like, oh, these people want to sell the drugs. And I'm going to help them out because they're a struggling small business drug dealer. Or, on the other hand, I'm going to sell these drugs and then give them the money. Either way, you're still a drug dealer. Right. And it still makes him a scoundrel. I would have preferred that. But they changed it. And no one talks about it because uh, they just... it's. They just assume that the spice mines of Kessel aren't canon, but they are, because 3PO says it in a movie. (laughs) But, so yeah, well obviously, your Star Wars nerd cred runs deep, mine does as well, of course, it's been part of my entire life. Yeah. I'm now exactly as old as the Star Wars saga, because I was born in 77. That's funny. So, uh... Every time I, I wonder how long Star Wars has been going on for, I'm just going, oh, I'm 42. Fuck, I'm, it's been going on for 42 years. So 42 years. I, I don't know if you caught that, but we'll have to talk about it after. Oh, is it a... The, the reference. There's a reference in the new movie. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, well, we'll talk about that off camera. Yes. Or off recording. Uh, because we, we're still well within the spoiler moratorium. Oh, so yeah, for sure. Wanna, and... And even if you hate the movie, you still don't want to fuck with someone else's experience of it. So. Just because I've seen it twice doesn't mean everyone else has. <laughs> I only saw it just this morning. And this is, of course, the 22nd today? Today, 22nd or 23rd? 22nd. 22nd. So I saw it a couple days after opening day. And I had to go really stupid early in the morning just because I wanted to keep... I mean, Facebook's a dangerous place. Yeah, people were rude there. Yeah. I saw, I like, I had already seen the movie by the time I saw it, but I saw someone mentioning spoilers in the comments just casually. And um, I try to scroll past all that, but you know, your eye catches what your eye catches. And, and sometimes they just throw it in a meme or something, and those are just hard like, ah, to ignore. Fuck, damn and, it. Yeah, people are rude. Just like, just like, let people like things without just trying to ruin it. Go on and post your baby Yoda memes and just go on with it. Yeah, like, do whatever you're going to do. Like, I don't care. Like, get mad because your sports team isn't winning or is winning. I'm not posting spoilers of the game for you. Just come on. <laughs> like, don't do it. But I try to be as spoiler free as I can be. But, but so. Kind of what I wanted to have a conversation with you about is because I know you're very much a video game nerd, like myself. I know you can't see them all right now because I have most of them put in storage because, well, I mean, look at what I do Oh, some is in storage? Oh, there's a lot out here already. Yeah, I own something like uh, 80 video game systems. Damn. This is just... Yeah, I knew that. I knew that you had a whole bunch. We talked about it before. Yes. So, and all I've got currently out is the PS4 Pro, 
the Wii U, the Switch, the Xbox One, and then all the little classic systems. Classic mini consoles, which is adorable. And then all the little handheld systems up there. And then I've been collecting oh, the little arcade units that right there. That is a shelf of handheld systems. It is. Nice. One, one wall to the other, yeah. I mean, you got a Game Gear in there, I'm sure. I do. It's far left. I got good memories. That's what I thought. I thought that big, bulky... No, I think that might be the Lynx. I think the Game Gear might be next to it. Yeah, the second to the last one? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. I had had some time with the Power Rangers game on a Game Gear back in the day. (laughs) And the migraines that went along with it. Oh, you want to talk migraines? I've also got a Game Boy, uh, a Virtual Boy. Ooh. And that... Every time I talk about it, I talk about how it's like eye-humping Cyclops. And that's the only way I can... reasonably explain the eye strain that you get from that unit so yeah i it's like it's, it's almost on par with the next strain because you have to lean over a table to play it yeah it's and it's crazy to me how short ago that was well they realized it fucked up and but it was like back to the woodshed i don't remember much before i moved out here mm-hmm. but uh, i think i was in the fifth grade uh, and i remember trying a virtual boy mm-hmm. in the mall yeah, I think I tried store. mine in a Sears for the first time. It's the EB Games that is now a GameStop in the mall. I tried it there okay. for the first time. It's also where I tried the, um, what was that phone handheld? The Engage. Engage. The I don't Nokia have one Engage. I tried, I, oh my gosh, that thing was awful. I'd like to say I need to get one, but no, I don't know don't. how the hell I would get games for it because they were all virtual. Yeah, that's, that's a, that is a, an issue. It's hard to find games that are not like when they're virtual they just That's disappear part of the reason i haven't adopted to like the xbox digital only because if you don't have the actual physical media in your hand what do you have my friend jim uh, sterling who mm-hmm. does a podcast and a youtube show called the jimquisition talks often about how we don't own our games anymore no no we haven't for a while it's all live service and 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 I love how he talks about the AAA games. There, well, and it's hilarious. To it's me, it well, and the AAA games have been, by and large, they've been getting shittier and shittier. They've been getting shittier and shittier as they come out because, like, when they're coming out, because they've realized that it's okay if they continue to put a little bit of time and money into it, they can turn it into this behemoth that generates monthly cash flow for them but not everything is Fortnite. not everything is PUBG. right not everything needs to be and that's kind of i don't play online with other people i think the last game i played online was apex legends and i think i was playing with you at one point or another yeah i definitely played that with you i played that for a while i'm same i just got sick of playing with other people Right, because there's there's only so much you can do in that gameplay loop, and other people find it more entertaining than myself personally. Right. Uh, there hasn't been many multiplayer games that I stuck with a long time. Like the last one I stuck with for a good amount of time was Titanfall Two, mm-hmm. um, and then the prior to that was Battlefield Bad Company Two, uh, which was more than a decade ago. So <laughs> it it I don't find much satisfaction in a repetitive gameplay loop that doesn't progress a story, I guess. Right. When it's just like Battle Royale. Right. There is some fun in the purity of a gameplay-only experience, because that's where we all got 
started. Like every, if you look at Mario, there wasn't an in-depth story. No, it was point A to point B. Literally, point A, point B. Your jumping timing skills, or having to figure out how to get through a puzzle in a different game, maybe, was pretty much that. It was a pure gameplay loop. Right. You got a reward at the end, points, whatever. Um, you mo- got to move on to the next level. There, that's how it started, and now it, it graduated from that, and start to they started to be able to tell stories. Right. That even Mario is a story game now, and it and it's far more like it was a story game then, but it was it was a story that serviced Very here. Simple. Go from point A to point B Here's over and over again. Right. Because at eventually. Not at this castle, but in another castle, <laughs> there'll be a princess. Like it was, there was, it was very boiled down, right? So potentially trying to recapture that in the online Fortnite scenario, but also monetize it, which pollutes that kind of purity, right? And I think a large portion of my game collection is going to be the stuff that's offline play. That's all single player. Or maybe a multiplayer in home kind of game. Yeah. I don't really... The last game I really put any time into, aside from uh, Apex Legends, which was, like I said, it was like a month or two, mm-hmm. um, was like the Halo series. Halo 1, 2, 3. Um, back when those came out, I played a lot of that online with a bunch of friends. Anyway. A series that I have not spent a whole lot of time with. I do have some Halo memories, because it was so big that, of course, I went to LAN parties and stuff like that. Um, land parties. Yeah, land parties. Like there was a part where I was living in a dorm where I we had uh, Ethernet cable out the window, down the down the side of the building over to uh, either a room like down the hall from us or down below us on the floor below in their window hooked up to their Xboxes and we were playing a land party in live like that, that dorm room. It was pretty dope. Cool. If if the RA us, we got in trouble. If it didn't, then we played Halo and uh, killed people with dual needles all the time. They hated it. I remember uh, back at the place I lived before this, which was just down the street, mm-hmm. uh, my buddy Chris came over for what was essentially his bachelor party. And, you know, we're not that kind of people. We're not going to hire strippers or anything like that. We brought over a lot of booze, but then what we did was we set up uh, Halo on my TV. Yeah. And then I had a, a projector shooting crosswise. Nice. So my TV is on one wall and then at a, like a direct 90 degree angle was the projector screen. Nice. And we were 4 by 4 against 4 by 4 so an 8 player uh, matchup. And that's how we spent my friend Chris's uh, honeymoon. Or not honeymoon but uh, bachelor party. Oh. We were just uh, Halo fucking around. See, drunk. I had a friend who we threw a bachelor party for him and it was that same type type of thing, except for rock band. We got rock band out. Oh Jesus! I did and some rock band. I did. Drums, everything. People. Uh, I'm a vocalist in the band. Time. People wanted me to sing all the time, but it's all these poppy, kitschy songs, and I can't That's do true. it. They're like the rock band. I did not love the song selection in rock band. I would have. I'm a guitar hero guy myself. I'm the same way, but I, I play Beat Saber now on the uh, PS4 uh, VR, and I got to say, I'm not a huge fan. It's like all like indie. Nothing I've ever heard of, and then I recently found out that they released some song packs for like uh, My Chemical Romance, I think. And for like Beat Green Saber, Day. yeah, and Green Day. Oh, really? Green Day? I know they. Well, on PS4 at least, because that's the only place I play it. Uh, they released. I know they said a Panic at the Disco one. That's it. It wasn't My Chemical Romance. It yeah, was Panic at the those Disco are one. lame. Mm. 
I definitely didn't buy that one as a guilty pleasure. <laughs> I totally got. That. I'm sorry. Like, I, like this monster cat like mix. I don't know some electronica artist or something has a, a pack. I don't know what that is. I like uh, it. I like the PC version of it. And I kind of want to play it on the PC version because the PC version allows you to upload whatever song you want. I know. I've seen that, and that's I mean, my favorite one to watch online. Is a guy does rap god. Ooh, on ooh. like extra hard. Oh, that would be great. It's so intense. I mean, I wouldn't want to so do it on extra no, hard. Hell no, I would. Fucking... I threw my back out playing that game. I'm not gonna lie to you. You know, I'm there's... terrified. I'm gonna punch my TV. I I have enough room in front of my TV. I'm not worried about that. But they got the wireless Oculus that I kind of want to yeah, get. But at that... the same time, I'm gonna punch something because well, if I don't. Have... If I'm not tethered by a cord... But they have Vader Immortal on it, though. That's why I want to get it. I know, that's same. That's why I want to get it. <laughs> I, hate, I hate the fact that I can't afford all those... That's why... That's why I think that's games. why I started collecting all of the systems, is I got really sick and tired of... I mean, aside from the fact that I'm a collector and that's just what you do... Yeah. I got really tired of console exclusives. Because I started off very much in, in the Xbox camp. Yeah. And I had a PlayStation, and then I had a PlayStation 2. I mean, so I've always kind of bounced between, but I've never really had more than one at a time. Right. And so when you've got... You need an Xbox to play the Halo games. Okay, so I was on Xbox for a while. Right. Then you needed a PlayStation to play God of War. Of course. And of course I wanted to play God of War, so I got a PlayStation, and so I gravitated to that for a that while. Game. And then, those were some of the best puzzle games early on. Holy the, the, shit. That game series as a whole is just a just an amazing, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant game cinematic series. Cinematic anymore. It's just like that game series as a whole grew up and in a very still, profound way. And there still are. And you could still go back and like there was... Uh, like they, they took a staple of every single God of War, the sex minigame. Yeah. They took it out in the more recent one. Right. No one cared. No, because no it wasn't one, necessary. It anymore. wasn't necessary. Like he's yes, a father now. Yeah, he yeah, exactly. He's not going to be well in the story. It certainly doesn't fit, and it really didn't fit in the other ones. But they, they had to were, grab attention. They yeah, they had to grab attention. They were mature rated machismo like like hack and slash game, which uh, that even The Witcher does it too. So oh, that's true. The Witcher does get down with a lot of ladies <laughs> i can't wait to watch the netflix series i haven't I'm, i've got i've got the next eight days off because of the holiday break nice they don't want us in grocery stores i do retail merchandising in grocery stores and they don't want me in the grocery stores during the holiday season because they're very very busy yes so inadvertently I, I get like eight days off so i might just cram through the witcher it's awesome i started watching it friday night how is it uh i enjoy it but it's also the Witcher games that I haven't played. Because well, I have been... It's not based on the games. I, well, yes. Well, it's based the, on the books. Based on the books. But the books... The games are based on the books also. Well, yeah. So, they're both based on the same material. So, there are people talking about things that they preferred the way the game did it more. Like, I've had conversations with... Or stalk, Facebook stalked conversations, I guess. <laughs> uh, with... People as mentioning it. Well, you know, I commented. I was like, I like this as well. And then someone else commented, so I just read their comment, and they they sounded like they knew way more about The Witcher in general than I did. They're like, oh, this I played the first two games like crazy, the, all the games, and I've read I, all the books. I've like, not yeah, played any of the games yet. I played... I never finished. Witcher 3 was like the biggest one. Yeah, that's the one I played. And Well, I never had an Xbox. 
Well, I bought it on, like, there was a really good streaming sale online. It was either PlayStation Network or it was Xbox Network, and I don't remember which one I bought it on. It would have been PlayStation. It would have been Xbox because it's not on PlayStation. Is Witcher not- 1 and 2 are not on PlayStation. Oh, no, it was Witcher 3. Oh, Witcher 3. Oh, okay. And so I bought it, it was like 15 bucks, and then I was playing something else at the time, so I never got around to eat. I didn't even think I downloaded it. But I know it's been released for the Switch now, and I had a conversation with my friend Jim Schweitzer, and we were talking about video games, and he said that's absolutely a game I need to get through and play. So I think after the holiday season, once I see where all the presents shake out to, yeah. I, I may end up uh, picking up uh, Witcher 3 and just switching it up, you know what I mean? It's a fun game. I regularly go back to it. Um, they... I spent enough time away from it that they actually drastically changed it um, between yeah. the time, just the way that the interface uh, looks, the way that the menu is, the way that you navigate through the um, ma- the world map. They changed it enough... Uh-huh. <laughs> To make me go, what what the fuck is going Gotta on? Gotta start here? over again. Yeah, back. like I had to learn how to figure out how to make it. That's every time I buy Skyrim again. See, I bought Skyrim once on the Switch because I thought, oh, I'll be going places. I think First, I'm up to five now. Yeah, I don't. I mean, that's me with the Metal Gear Solid series. <laughs> like I have bought that several times, and I'll probably buy it again if they remastered that. So, oh, that's I'd buy it in a heartbeat. Yeah. So. Well, that's kind of, I mean, we were talking about how games are getting progressively more and more cinematic, and that's kind of uh, the root of where I want to kind of throw our conversation now, because you've been playing video games most of your life, same as me. Yes. I started off back when it was just a pixel hitting another pixel, you know, VIC-20, Commodore 64, Pong. Uh, fucking Pong, uh, Zaxxon. Pong was great. Pitfall. I still play all those. I think I started with, like, I'm, I did not have one, but uh, my next-door neighbor had a N- Nintendo Entertainment System mm-hmm. with, uh, he had the uh, track and field pad. I remember that. The duck hunt gun and the Mario Kart that held all three of them on him. Mm-hmm. So, so he, I. Mario Brothers, duck hunt, and the track and field game, and he had all the accessories World for it, too. World-class track meet. It was... Ridiculous. Uh-huh. <laughs> Running like a maniac oh. in my apartment. I thought yeah. was, oh my gosh, terrible. <laughs> well, I just imagine, like, parents in those days, like, now that I'm a parent, imagining parents in those days, like, what are these Watch small your kids people spaz doing? out in front of the TV like that? Yep. Well, now they got things like Ring Fit for the Switch. I've seen that. And uh, they got, like, the, the Wii Fit pads <laughs> and things like that. And Maybe I'll exercise if I if it's a video game telling me to do it. Uh, I wish I could use that as a justification, but I won't. No. Um, and then, like, I don't know if you notice over there, like, with all my mini systems. Okay, I'll point these out to you real quick. So, right there is the SNES Mini. Mm-hmm. The SNES Mini Classic. That's the NES Classic. And that's the PlayStation Classic. The much maligned PlayStation Classic. Because yeah, it, it sucks. It's terrible. It didn't have analog sticks. I know. And then over there, what looks like another NES classic, is actually a Raspberry Pi that I built. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the Raspberry Pi case. And then there's a that one doesn't have a Pi in it, but that's a SNES case for an SNES classic Raspberry Pi that I'm going to build. I see. And then all the way over there is the newest acquisition that I got for like twenty five bucks at a GameStop. It's a Commodore sixty four classic. Nice. So it's got all the old games that I used to, to, you know, fuck around with back in the day, like Pitfall and. And Qbert and Pac-Man. Is, is it just the like keyboard that, that hooked up, hooks up to your TV? It's not even a keyboard. It's so disappointing. Those keys don't clack at all. It's one solid unit. It made me so sad. 
Oh, so then you don't play it with the keys? No, you got a joystick in there. Ridiculous. Yeah, I, uh, I guess that's what but they have to do. The thing is, is we've both been playing video games an awful long time. So what I kind of want to get into now is, now that video games have become more and more engrossing and more and more cinematic, I kind of want to talk uh, a little bit about uh, the games that you've spent the most time with, why you spent the most time with them, and kind of rank them based on video game of the year kind of award but it doesn't have to necessarily be situated just in this year it can be this year last year last 10 years last five years whatever we want to do but we are going to take a quick commercial break before i do that because somebody's got to pay for the batteries that i use it's true i'm not doing it not you no so we'll be right back if you haven't heard about anchor it's the easiest way to make a podcast let me explain It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one convenient place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, welcome back. Thank you for that little break. Um, so yeah, what I want to talk about now is kind of the video games that you've played that you've really had a lot of fun with, that you spent the most amount of time with. Kind of find out uh, what type of games that you gravitate towards, and uh, we'll talk about a little bit of what I gravitate towards, and then kind of uh, compare and contrast and everything. Like for me, uh, I know. The only game in recent memory that I can think of, like the first one that I could remember spending an inordinate amount of time on, every other video game for me has just been kind of play as you can. Yeah. Never really been a must-play game. I feel like I know what you're going to say. You do know what I'm going to say, because we talked about it a little bit. Skyrim. Yeah. Back in 2011, when they released Skyrim, I had just gotten laid off from my job. Hmm. So while I was job hunting and on unemployment... I had a lot of time in the afternoons when I wasn't interviewing to sit and invest the time into these video games. It's this, and of course, Skyrim eats time. There's oh yeah, a lot to that game. That's why I can't ever play those games. Yeah, well, I mean, and the sad part of it is, we're adults. Where do we find the time anymore? It's like why my list of games from the last decade, I would say, have been kind of uh, slim. Because, I mean, I work all the time. I work, right. Sometimes I work almost 80 hours a week, and it and then I do other things, like I'm a musician, and I, I write, and I do the podcast, obviously, and mm-hmm. uh, spend time with my wife and kids. We watch, like, TV shows that we watch together, movies that we watch together. Right. So, but the video gaming time is really difficult to come by. And so a lot yeah. of what I f- uh, focus on uh, is uh, cinematic-type games. Because I've found that my wife and kids are more apt to sit and be okay with me playing a game if it has a visual element that they can kind of get into. First one that I can remember spending any kind of time on with cinematic-wise with my family watching as a movie would be the Uncharted series for PlayStation. Yeah, that and makes sense. Those are great games. Very cinematically driven. Very cinematically um, driven. But very short. I mean, those games don't have a whole lot of what you call replay value. Once it's the missions are done, 
it's a very straightforward progression. Act one, act two, act three, act four, and you're done. Yeah, unless you're hunting like achievements or trophies, there's no real reason to go collect all those items. Trust me. I know. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was going to say, I've seen you become quite addicted with games. Cough, cough, Spider-Man, cough. Um, oh, that one I've beaten the crap out of. I love that game. I haven't put a lot of time into that one yet. My kid has. I wanted to let him play it for a while before I got into it because I didn't want to be like... Because like I said, they watch me as I play them and I don't want right. to spoil it for him. And the same reason I'm not letting him play... He's played some of the new Jedi Fallen Order game mm-hmm. uh, because I give relented and let him play it. But I wanted to play it first because, you know, the novelty of it and all. Right. So. Also, you don't want to like walk by and get it spoiled for yourself as well. Right. I think I did the same thing with my daughter. She decided to start playing Spider-Man. Wanted to play it on her own. How old's your daughter? Uh, Ten. Oh, okay. So she was interested in playing it when she saw me playing it. I was doing a replay through on the hardest difficulty to try to get the platinum trophy. Um, she saw me playing it um, and was interested in knowing the story. But uh, instead of having her just watch me play it, she started playing it and was terrible and got very much better and finished the game. Like me and her traded the controllers off sometimes, but uh, basically finished the game on her own, saw the story on her own, and I just stopped playing it around her on another playthrough so she could enjoy this story. As it unfolds, as opposed to knowing what's going to happen. Right, it grabbed her interest, and then she was interested in other story-driven games. Uh, I mean, those ones are a little open-worldy, like that one. Uh, the other one that she latched onto was Horizon Zero Dawn. I haven't played that one. Um, she loves the fact that the main character is a girl. Oh, yeah. Which is super interesting, because I never even thought about that uh, specifically. Like, even, I'll, like, sometimes I'll choose to play as a girl in a video game, like, the, where it gives you the choice. Yeah, same here. Sometimes I'll choose to play as a, a, a guy character if it gives you the choice. Um, and then if it doesn't give you the choice, I've never been like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't feel like this speaks to me. I, it, t- to me, it doesn't matter to me whether the character is a, male or female but to some people apparently that matters i never thought of it from that perspective until my daughter's like yeah i'm liking this because she's a girl yeah and then i'm like well why does that matter that she's a girl she's like i don't know it just matters to her like she doesn't have a specific grasp on it just and, matters and that's to her. yeah and we had a conversation about that uh, a little while back we talked about representation in media i actually um, listened to that episode i liked it very much it was a very that's a very potentially heated oh yeah discussion that was very even keeled and mm-hmm. really not representation of all the representative, I guess, of all the angry yelling that usually happens online. I try to avoid the angry yelling, and, and and simply just because I feel that it's something that is definitely worth exploring, because it's as you said with your daughter, uh, she was able to latch on to Horizon because there was a female character. It was something that was hopeful to draw her in right in the same vein that we find with like say comic book characters where we've got like for instance Kamala Khan our our young Miss Marvel right being uh, Pakistani being able to draw in uh, other cultures other examples of the non cis white male white female norm right that other people can identify with female characters um Characters from other ethnic backgrounds or other sexual orientations, being able to find something of yourself in these other f- 
formats where it's usually been very white male dominated is refreshing to me. It's it's definitely interesting because, like I said, I didn't kind of think about it, and then I guess that could be called privilege if you want, but... White, it's, cis white male privilege? Yes, you could call it that. I just think it's kind of, you have blinders onto your own experience, regardless of what that is, and I, you know... It's always um, awesome when the scales fall away and you can see it from another person. You just like okay, that's a, like again, I I I'm not going to be like saying, "Hey, you have to include uh, you know, a female playable character in every single game." Um, my daughter thought the same way about me about the Mary Jane sections in the Spider-Man game. She thought they were boring. She wished she could have played as Spider-Gwen. She likes the superhero aspect as well so she was able to point out that just i'm not saying that the mary jane was in there just to have a girl character to be played as no. there is that the mary um, jane has always been kind of a heavy aspect of the spider-man story so yes oh well, of course she's a she's uh, uh always either been her own like character or she's been his love interest so at some point uh this one made her, her own character which was cool it was fun to see her not just be like the super like she was in the supermodel in the comics for a while, yeah. Yeah, and she was just like a model, and you know, Peter was like, oh, she's hot. And she's like, ooh, tiger. <laughs> like, she wasn't hardly anything, and then they made her into a character, which was cool. They had the Miles sections, which were cool in that right. game. Uh, they all, But they both, to me, halted the speed of the progression. Of the main Peter yeah. Parker progression. But uh, it is interesting to start to see those different perspectives. Um, uh, I just don't, like... I don't know, I don't like when the, uh, it doesn't service this. When it feels like they're cramming it in. When it's artificial, I right. guess. Because then that doesn't do anything to anybody. It just makes people like go, hey, this is kind of a, a shitty character in this, uh, you know, that someone might have wanted to see. Oh, I want to see a good female character. I want to see a good right. uh, you character that I can identify with, and I've just gotten the token character. Right. And we talked about that a lot, too, uh, the difference between doing something because it feels organic and natural, as right. it should, yeah. and doing something that feels, like you say, tokenism. And so uh, the example that I continue to keep using, because it's one of the better examples, there's two, um, the way they've handled Superwoman, or Supergirl, excuse me, uh, the, in the way show, they, the way they handled Supergirl, and uh, except for the first episode. Well, <laughs> the first okay, the first episode. The exact quote was everything. Needs she to should give him. up. She can't beat him. And then the girl looked and was like, "Why? Because she's a girl." I was like, "Oh God, no, 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 no! This is not how it's supposed to be." <laughs> like it was too. It gets better. No, I know. I, 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 I lost touch with that because I stopped having cable and I didn't want to subscribe to like eight different things. I do. I but, subscribe to eight different things. Yeah. So I, I just, I'll find a free trial somewhere and catch up on it at some point when, like, I, I'm interested in Crisis, so maybe I'll just find a way to catch up to get to the Crisis thing crossover that they're doing with those shows now. Yeah, but it's I hard never to stay caught up to get to that. I don't like Legends of Tomorrow. Also, so I just kind of yeah. always ignored that show. It was boring to me. It's okay. But, um. I know it gets better in that show. They do it a far uh, more, uh, in some cases, uh, naturally. <coughs> in some cases, it does feel a forced. bit forced. And that's what the other example that I like to use with that, and it's something I know you haven't watched, we talked about it, was Star Trek Discovery. Mm -hmm. uh, in that show, uh, of course, they have uh, Lieutenant Paul Stamets as the uh, chief engineer. 
on the Discovery. And then the doctor on the show is uh, Hugh Culver. Right. And they're married. And they don't address it, really. I mean, they address it in the fact that it's like any other relationship on a starship. Right. But they don't treat it as if it's a piece of tokenism. So they kind of address it as just like, okay, here's a couple. Yeah. Yeah. They love each other. So what? They don't go out of their way to point it out because it should be natural. Yeah, and so and I find that as a really it's, positive example. But yeah, those are the those are the positive examples like that. You, um, the it sh- it shouldn't to me it should never be. It is a portion of what makes that character who they are. Mm-hmm. But it shouldn't be the only thing that makes that right. character who they are. Absolutely, because there is more to that character in general, whether they be uh, you know a cis white male or a a white female, black female. There's more to that character than their gender, ethnicity, uh, ethnicity sexual uh, orientation. Sexual orientation. There's way more to every single character. That's that. That's the thing that I would love to see explored. Because no matter what, I think they're working on it. I think Hollywood, by and large, is really starting to peel away from the tokenism aspect of it, the novelty of it, if you will. And they're really starting to grasp on to the fact that these characters just need to be there like everyone else is there because these people are here like everyone else is here. And, right. And, and being able to explore these other cultures and these other ethnicities and backgrounds and everything else like that makes it feel more organic. As right. opposed to your You're- group of cis white people living in rent-controlled apartments in New York... With no discernible income. Oh, like friends? I'm looking at you, friends. Oh, Chandler <laughs> had his position. No one knew what it was, but Chandler did the did I'm pretty the sure he thing. Sold drugs. He had a lot of money. He was he was the one that had all the money. Um, I uh, pretty sure he sold drugs. Very very, very possible. Um, I was hoeing out Phoebe on the weekend. <laughs> uh, the the I I guess the idea is to me is that it's just it the characters will resonate with people. In general, mm-hmm. no matter what their what group they would belong to, if you want to put it that way, mm-hmm. if they are real characters, absolutely. Um, Re- and and of course that again, we're back to real versus token. As right. long as you write them as if they are human fucking beings, right? They're going to feel like human fucking beings, right? Which is what they need to be because they're human fucking beings, right? And so like. It's, it's, it is, I think on the other side of that though, is making sure that when that has happened, it is applauded more so than just having the tokenist of token characters that represents the stereotypes, whether they be the positive stereotypes that you can, you know, that, you know, for instance, this positive stereotype that Asians are good at math. This is a stereotype. It's not a bad thing, but it's a stereotype. Right. So it it's one of those soft stereotypes that uh, people pops. just accept with a chuckle and right. Know. But it you don't have to have an Asian character that's good at math in your thing. You don't even necessarily have to have a joke. You can just have an a, a Asian character. Uh, you don't have to have a homosexual man that is effeminate. He can just be a dude that is gay, like. Right. Okay, who cares? And then what else does he do? Because there's other things that people do 
that are not their sexuality, their color, their any of these things. But when you are making a historical game, and historically, you don't have to go out of your way to include like a very negative or disparaging remarks against someone who might have been treated that way in, say, I don't know, the time when World War II is. Right. But... You gotta be real careful about those. You... Cause people I mean, get upset because there's women soldiers because it's not historically accurate. And it might be a little bit because they have a bruised ego about games. I'm sure with some people they have a bruised ego about games feeling like a boys club to a certain point and then it became very popular and more women and girls were interested into it. Right. Um, there's definitely some people that probably feel like that's the reason that it should stay, you know, male characters and that sort of thing. But there are people who think, hey, World War II, there weren't a lot of female soldiers because of that's how it was. Right, and and, and that brings me to another point. We're talking about cinematic games and games that I've spent a lot of time with. And mm-hmm. I know we kind of diverged and took a wide track, but uh, one of the other games that I spent a lot of time with in this last year was Red Dead Redemption 2. A very cinematic game. Very, very beautifully rendered. Very beautifully done. So boring. It's eh, so boring. Because they made I love it, it more real. I love it, but I hate it too. You like, got, you got I, chores to do in the old west. You got you got bills to pay. You got to go hunt what, down those bounties, you know? And hey, man, I would just get bored and like go and uh, take a horse out to the wilderness and load him up with carcasses and take it back and sell it to the, the local fur trader for a little bit. Like, yeah. it was so set up that you could just do that. It was too. just zen for a while. It, it was, and it was yeah. nice, but it was also, there wasn't, it suffered from a lot, a lot of things that most open world games do, is it No real drive. Yes. It didn't push the story forward. Right. Fast enough to make you go, okay, I need to go back and do that story mission, instead of um, trying to kill enough alligators to get these dope boots from the trader in New Marais or wherever. I can't tell you how long I spent trying to hunt those legendary animals. Jesus Christ. Oh, I've got a few of the the gear and I I just wanted this nice buckskin jacket. I got the big white buffalo hat. Did you get the big white buffalo hat? Yes, I did, of course. And and then I put it on to go hunting in the snow uh, to find the Arabian horse, Mm -hmm. the white horse. My white horse got killed. Oh. Did it drown in the swamp? No. Oh. Artax. Yeah, oh. I named mine Artax. Did you? Oh. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, and then no, I, I got ambushed outside of uh, one of the main towns, and and I got gunned down, and my horse got gunned down at the same time, and of course it's legendary, so you can't really find another one. I was really disappointed. Because right. that's what's cool about that game, though, is that has a bunch of, because of the way it's made, it also is, it's boring because you have to brush your horse and wash it and feed it and to take a nap and and do things, but also you can just get ambushed and you have this story to tell that completely didn't happen. Like, I have two or three just amazing stories about being ambushed and having to run back to town and it was just like, it was very fun. Yeah. It was very like, uh, it, it just changed the way the game played for a little bit and made it almost a survival game. Right. Um, there's just little things that are unfolding. Um, Gives it a bit more realism. It does. and But then there's things that, you know, there's little things they hide in there. Like, uh, I'm sure you've come across the, the Ku Klux Klan members in the oh, game. Oh, that was one of my favorite parts. So, 
Uh, I set up on the rocks, assassinating them from the fucking rocks. And it's and it's like a lot of uh, everyone Satisfying. did, right? I think I came up with I came upon the, the well, I seen I've seen a lot of videos of it. I came upon a meeting of them in like woods near a cabin. Mm-hmm. They were like tucked in the woods. They didn't know I was there. They were. Uh, I struggled with getting my Molotov out, so <laughs> I was like, "I'm gonna throw a Molotov into the beginning of this group. They want to light some things on fire. We'll see what's gonna happen. This should be fun." Uh, I struggled with equipping it, and by the time I got it equipped and was ready to throw it, and got into a good spot where I could enjoy it and also then record it and share it on social medias, as you do, um, as or you as do, you, as you did. Uh, yes. Uh, well, the guy who was lighting the cross lit himself on fire. <laughs> And started running around, uh, <laughs> lighting the other ones on fire. And I was like, oh I my gosh, I remember what's that. happening? And then I threw a bottle at the, the, I threw the Molotov at the last two. Uh, they apparently, I don't know if they did that on purpose, because the next group of Ku Klux Klan members I ran into, in an open field, they were putting up their cross. It was in the daytime. Is that the one where the cross falls on the other guy? The cross falls on the dude like trying to put it up, and he <laughs> dies. <laughs> Like, it, he crushes himself under the cross. I sh- shot one guy, and then the, the guy who was bossing him around, I guess he must have been the Grand Wizard. Uh, I love the fact that they're even supposed to be taken seriously with names like Grand Wizard. The Grand Wizard. Um, but I, I wrapped him, I hogtied him, and then I put him in his shallow st- stream face down. <laughs> um, which, in that game, because of the detail... If their face is under the water, they will they will drown. Glub, glub, glub. It's insane, the amount of detail. And just the little moments and things that they put in the game like that. Yeah. I but mean, I also, get the frustration with it. My friend Jim was frustrated with it a lot, too. I haven't finished it. I, lo- I did. I haven't. I like, I, I get distracted, and there's jerkers. too much stuff to do. Tearjerker. I mean, I know what happens, because it's obvious. Like, there's, yeah. there's a previous game that is the sequel to this game. Yeah. Um, I'm looking for. They're talking about remaking Red Dead Redemption One with the Red Dead Redemption Two engine. I would. I'd be here for that. Well, the entire map is in the game, and people wonder. It would be easy. Yeah, the the people wonder why. Like that's something I would definitely pay for. Absolutely, I'd pay. I'd I'd say I'd probably pay full game price for that. Yeah, well, I, I if honestly, it's a, it would be a lot of work. So if you really think about it, and I've thought about this a lot because there's a lot of games I'd like to have remade, but if you really think about it. A lot of the systems, the underlying systems, where you're feeding your horse, brushing your horse, feeding your character, the way the health works, the way the meter for the dead eye works, nothing like the first game. Right. So they'd but have to they recreate... if they incorporated that into the first game, it could take what was an amazing game and make it better, or it could muddy the water a little bit. It, it could. And I, I, I'm, I would honestly not mind at all I mean, look seeing what, what that with, looks like. Look what they're doing with uh, Final Fantasy VII. Have you seen any of the footage for I that? I have seen the footage for that. It's a completely different game. It is a completely different game. And they've done that. but um, Resident Evil is another example. Resident Evil. They've done, they've done that a lot. It would be... The ones that they've done that a lot with usually end up being a ground-up thing, and that's why it usually ends up taking a lot longer. Right. Because to rebuild the systems that run the game, the systems that determine you know how you reload and all that stuff, it can't be easy. And I've seen games do it before. Like People think the remake uh, reboot thing is like new, no. but I played Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes on the GameCube years and years ago, and that took... A game that was a top-down espionage game from the PlayStation, uh, and it put all the Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty 
um, aspects into that game made it mm-hmm. so much easier because you had a first person view. You could aim in the first person. You right. could hang from railings. Right. Stuff you could not do in the first game that the environments were designed around what you could do. So when you could do more... Right. And, and, they're, and they're doing that a lot with these reissue games. Like, I've noticed when, uh, Crash Bandicoot's not a very good example because, I mean, it's a very simple mechanic. Um, but You're talking about the jumping? Yeah. Oh, well, they that's they, the problem with that is they, they used the physics from Crash Bandicoot 3... In Crash Bandicoot 1. Which changes everything. Right, because they changed the physics from Crash Bandicoot 3 to 1. They changed the way the jump physics worked. And they designed the game around the jump physics. So they messed up that first game. That made it almost impossible to beat. Mm -hmm. Because they tried to do... uh, uh, They tried to do a ground-up rebuild... Well, I mean, they've had some success in that category, too. I mean, oh, of course. Link's Awakening, uh, which was just released, uh, looks like, while being a faithful adaptation of the game, adds some new elements and gameplay to it. Uh, we also have Oddworld, Big and Tasty. They redid the entire Oddworld game from PlayStation 1 uh, for new consoles, and they updated it, and they didn't change all that much of it. It's still very, very faithful to the original. I could never get into that game. I tried. Oh, I love them. I, I've tried it several times. I could never get into it. Um, I love them. I love all those games. I just thought it was ironic that uh, the Odd World series was on the PlayStation, and then uh, there was a one Xbox game. It was an Xbox Stranger's game. Wrath. Stranger's Wrath. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. Uh, it was first person, right? Uh, it was like I a believe so. Yeah, first person game, and he had a crossbow, and he could shoot these little like animal weird thingies. Bounty hunter thing. Yeah, it was. He was like this. It was in the Odd World universe, which was always a uh, uh, corporation enslaving these people. Yeah. Uh, story, and you're escaping from your corporate slaves or slave masters, mm-hmm. uh, and then they uh, got a handful of money from Microsoft and decided to make their game exclusive to Xbox. Yeah, that's the they're, last thing I remember masters. about Odd World. Yeah. They're, they're nice corporate masters. Like, I was like, that's ironic. And also, I never got into the game, so it wasn't a big deal to me. Well, let's talk about... I mean, we keep veering off the subject. We do. We're talking about... I mean, and that's, I kind of like that. That's what I like about conversations like this is because, like, literally, I could sit here and we could have this conversation probably for about six or seven hours. And yeah, that's true. Never really retread conversations. So, But I kind of want to know, like, give me a, a top three rundown of the games that you've enjoyed the most... In recent memory. And I'll kind of give you mine after that as well. Top three rundown. It's going to be Spider-Man PS4. Right. Uh, and I kind of have a hint as to what yours are because you posted a lot of this shit to social media. And of course we share social media. So I've seen the all your screenshots. And like, which aren't on yeah, Facebook anymore. They took, took that, that away. Took that away because that's what they can do. Because you don't really... Because they're, they, aren't they invested in Twitch now? I don't even know. I had to start a Twitter... Because I feel the need to share these game. <laughs> I have two followers, and they probably don't care. But uh, I just like I want to be able to put these uh, these game screenshots for these interesting games or these games that I have like a real strong connection with, whether it be like the gameplay or the story that I really enjoy. I wanted to be share the screenshots somewhere. Well, right. so. I mean, because obviously it's something. I mean, like we talked about before, being adults and grown ups and. Having children and responsive fucking abilities, and the, our time for entertainment is limited. Yeah. So when we do have that time, 
it's nice to share it with people like like-minded individuals online which and, is kind of like again why i do this podcast because i like to in my limited time have these conversations with people and discuss things that i enjoy and that they enjoy and, and it is my favorite feature from this current console generation out of all the features is the ability to share because i'm mainly on console i don't play on pc and yeah. it's mainly playstation only playstation really uh, i have a switch but um the uh the share functionality i'll find myself playing a ps2 game or a ps3 uh and not be able to like oh that's like i, I busted out that's skate really not cool. too long ago i was like oh. i'm gonna share that nope, nope. <laughs> no you're not i felt that the other day when i was playing uh fallen order it's like i wanted to share something like that and it's like oh yeah, that's why I started the, the, the Twitter run. Because like the, the very first time I pulled someone across the map and shoved my lightsaber through his abdomen, I'm like, oh, that's badass. And I paused it and I went to share it. And it's like, oh, right. No. Oh, I, that's why I did the Twitter. Shit. I was like, I had to. Uh, <laughs> there's a game that came out, and this is my uh, would be my next game on that list. Excellent segue. Nice. Uh, Concrete Genie. Little what is that? unknown game. Okay. Uh, I shouldn't be unknown. It's by Pixel Opus. Um, I'm not sure what else they did. Here, you keep talking. I'm going to um, look it up. What's yeah. it called? Concrete Genie? Concrete Genie. Um, it's by a company that did Pixel Opus. Uh, called Pixel Opus. Um, they did some other stuff. I don't remember what it is. Um, but it is a very story-driven game. Very little cinematic game. Um, the... Uh, premise the story premise involves um a young man probably young boy i guess teenager age oh it's um, vr uh, it does have a vr aspect which is very fun uh but there's a story about bullying um where this child is is has some bullies that he has to deal with uh there's no combat with the bullies in fact you run away from them you distract them but your uh, goal is to create these genies with a magic paintbrush uh you create these genies and these genies will then tell you what you want them to paint to make you happy that fills a meter of your super paint your super ability to then paint through this darkness mold that's affecting this like fishing village this fictional fishing village that um you're playing in so you're jumping around on rooftops you are um painting pictures on the wall with some preset things and you can do it with the motion controls you can turn those off thank goodness uh i preferred it without the motion controls but then it has a vr segment where you can paint uh in vr and it's very simple it's not like you're doing some very in-depth painting it's like this thing you need to press this button and draw it horizontally or you draw it up or you can put a couple curves in it and it'll change the way it looks right. um but it's a very ar artistic game and as you spoke i bought it oh you did yeah i ordered it uh offline i should have it like in a week or two T tell me how you, tell me how you like it because it's i i, I it has turned out to this be is one why of these conversations are great because i get to find new shit to geek out about it is so like my both of my daughters have played it i had to buy a smaller controller for the ps4 right for my uh eight-year-old seven-year-old daughter because her hands qu can't quite get the uh, controller. Yeah. Like, the triggers are hard for her to reach at the same time she's using the, the uh, sticks. So, I uh, bought her a smaller controller so she could play it. But it's a very, like, touching game. Like, it has some emotional moments. Um, some, some to the point where I did warn my 
my children who were playing it, hey, there is a, a pretty sad moment coming up. Um, but you have to play through the sad moment to get to the end. Uh, it didn't keep them from playing it. They understood what it was. that They prepared them for it. But um, they really identified no with spoilers. it as well. Cause they could no have... spoilers. I'm going to play this now. Well, they, well, No, I'm not going to give you a spoilers. Uh, they identified with the story of a young kid and, and understanding what bullies were. They go to school. This, you know, They talk about don't bully people. So they understood that story a little bit even closer to home than I do. Um, and I'm sure if they had been being bullied at school, it could even bring up some information. Like, it could probably bring up a, find, a conversation. How to find help and how to, you know, well, if how to maybe, talk to an adult. Right. Or, if yeah. she wasn't talking about it or if one of, if a kid wasn't talking, like, those kinds of stories could make a kid go, oh, you know, this is something that maybe I should talk about. And, um, and I like the fact that some of these games can be educational in that kind of genre and that kind of uh, manner without having to be explicitly an educational game. It's actually kind of nice. It is. And it's very it's it's it was it was it took me by surprise. I believe um I was listening to a few gaming podcasts and a few people brought it up and mentioned it and they mentioned it was a a bargain price. Uh it was like a, I think a 30 or 40 dollar game. And I think I so, just paid 20 for it. Yeah, so I think it is like I think it went on sale recently, but like originally, I think it was forty. It was either thirty or forty dollars, and it's a shorter experience, but right. it's very fulfilling for that price. Um, and then so that would be my my second one. This that was very recent. I very much enjoyed that. Busted out the VR to try out the VR thing, um, and uh, very fun. I go back to it occasionally when I just feel like chilling. And well, I'm looking forward to trying it. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a very enjoyable. It's a very it's a game that's easy to relax to. Good. Um, it's not a game that has a whole lot of very actiony, intense moments. There are, there is some action. Uh, I won't spoil what form it comes in, but there is some action okay. in the game. There is some conflict in the game, so there is an interesting story. But it also is very fun to just relax and just like paint some paintings. Like there was times that I. You have to paint a certain area mm-hmm. in order to progress. It, it's you know what you're supposed to paint because it's on your map and it's denoted by Christmas lights in the game. Right. So you paint on that wall under those lights. Those lights light up and then it becomes pretty. Uh, but you can always go back to that and erase that. So sometimes when I was trying to move through the story because I was interested, I just put a just a generic swipe of whatever paintbrush that I wanted to use across that wall to complete the objective. But then I was always able to go back, erase that, and start over. Cool. You can call your genies over, and they give you, they can give you ideas, or you can just do it on your own if you want to. An amazing game, very creative. Also interesting watching two different children play. Yeah, I the can same imagine. game, and like how they two play. Two different it. experiences. With oh it. yeah, they definitely were. They had two different experiences with it, and it was. I love that. Very interesting. Um, to watch them play through and what they prioritized as well in terms of how they played the game. Were they exploring a little bit more? Were they just kind of playing? Or were they trying to go to the story? Right. Right. Um, So what's number three? Number three, that's... uh, It's really a complicated question for as many good games as Um, I did have... I was going through and looking through, like, from the past, like, decade, what games are. And I have a... 
list of stuff. Uh, no, that's the Mario fanfic. Go past that. <laughs> no, sure. Keep that on the wraps. That's <laughs> secret. Um, the uh, I I don't know. I I I'm tempted to say Jedi Fallen Order, but I'd have to go back to God of War probably, because um, they're very similar type games. Right. Um, very very cinematic. Very cinematic. I just think God of War was a little bit more put together. Well, as you said, it's grown up so well. It does have that history to it as well. The character that you got to see grow up from this, like, young... Hacking slash... Dostron-fueled rage monster who was the god of war to someone renouncing that and trying to hide from that. Yeah. Because... Because he's a father now and he wants to protect his kid from it. It's funny, though. He's a father now, but he was a father before. It did not stop him. Oh, uh, this might be a spoiler alert for many games the, past. For the old games. You've, it's been more than ten years. You've had time. Uh, the reason his skin is a ghostly white is because that's the ashes of his wife and daughter. Yeah, who got that killed. He, that he accidentally murdered. Yeah. And they burnt in a church. So he was a dad before, and he was just like, nah, these ones Not aren't that great. Yeah. <laughs> these ones aren't working out. I've got all these like barbarians to worry about killing. So I'm just going to do this whole God of War gig. But then, interestingly enough, that still lends to the character. Now now that he has a wife and a... Well, he had a wife and a child and, and tried to settle down. Like, he wanted that life, and he actually decided to take that life. But he had to remove himself completely. It was a great transition into basically just rebooting the game, but not disrespecting the story that came before. Right. Um, which is a super interesting way to... Like, a lot of movies and games are trying to do that. Reboot something within the continuity of what came before uh, in order to... Um, I don't know, have a history that they can draw upon. Right. But it's... I don't know. It, it, it doesn't always work. It worked well because of the, the stark difference in in the time frame that the gaming itself changed. It's just a great game. And visually, astonishing. Stunning. Like, I got a 4K TV because of that game. <laughs> and there was a sale, and I was thinking about it, and then I was like, okay, well. It all just added up to, yeah. I'm getting this, yes. and doing this. Yes. And... Well, and, and the PS4 Pro as well. Yeah. I, I had to see that game. PS4 Pro recently, too. So. Oh, that game is gorgeous in that. And the, the, the Axe... Uh, the crazy thing about it is, as much as of a Star Wars fan I am, when I played Fallen Order, I went, this feels like the axe in God of War. Right. When I was using it. it and... It just felt like, but the way it hit, even though, like, you know, most of the time you're getting blocked and parried by guys, just the way it hit felt like it had weight, weight and power. Yeah. And that's what it felt like the first time that Leviathan axe whipped back to... Kratos' you hand. caught it right in that hand and you just... <laughs> and you were like, it's like oh, you okay. could almost feel that thunk of it hitting your hand. Yeah, it's great. Solidly done. Well, I would I would say, again, like our, our tastes are very, very similar as far as video games go. Um, but for me, like if I had to pick a top three video games that I... If it has to be something that I've spent an inordinate amount of time yeah. on, again, as we said, uh, Skyrim would definitely be on that list. It's the only game I've ever achieved platinum achievement with. 
Oh, dude. And that's after... Those are rookie numbers. you got to pump those numbers up. I got... Who has the fucking time? I know. My Uh, all mine was a Gamefly subscription and before I had kids. (laughs) And then I got um, Red Dead Redemption 2 is in there, but not... I don't think that's in my top three. Uh, The Bioshock series is in there. I wouldn't say it's top three... Uh, it's it's really difficult, and I'm kind of cheating. I'm looking over to my, my <laughs> video games as we talk. Because oh, that's fine. I got to remember what I've spent the most time with, and I think, and it's cheesy. It's not a great game by any stretch of the imagination, but it's it's definitely for me. It's a relaxing game yeah. most of the time. Uh, I play Seven Days to Die. I don't think I've ever played that one. Seven Days to Die. Uh, they release it on consoles, but it's primarily a PC game. The console version's kind of dead. It mm. died with Telltale. Oh. Um, so it doesn't update anymore. Ah, that's but a shame. <laughs> it is a shame because I enjoyed it. But the, I, the entire reason, if you look over there, I have a PC attached to my TV now. Oh, okay. And the entire reason I have a PC, the entire, and I'm not being uh, glib when I say this, the entire reason I built a PC and connected it to my TV is because I got sick of all the bugs in the console versions of Seven Days to Die, and I needed a PC to play that on. That makes sense. And my friend Emily had a bunch of computer parts, and she slid them to me, uh, and I was able to construct and cobble together this computer on the cheap that works with my TV, and now I play it on ultra high mode. And So what kind of game is it? Because I've heard the name before. It's basically, think, zombie survival game. So it's kind of like uh, Minecraft... With better graphics, you're you're dropped into a state park. Okay. Navazagane State Park, which I think is supposed to be in Arizona, and you are post-apocalyptic. You're the only real human survivor. It is an online game. There are online elements to it. Um, I don't play with people online. Okay. I can't. St- I told you I can't stand playing with people online. Right. So you're dropped naked, basically, into this zombie-infested state park. Okay. Which is divided up into, like, desert biome and snow biome and and forest biome and wasteland biome and things like that. And you have to find the method of survival. You have to either... At first, you have to construct stone tools... You got to create clothing. You got to create a shelter. So it's the new survival. It's the new type survival game. Type. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not so, that new. It's a few years old. Well, I mean, from what I mean by new type survival, when I think of survival games, my brain immediately goes to survival horror. So the original right. Resident Evil or Silent Hills uh, from the PlayStation or PlayStation Two, right. where you have a limo at limited ad ammo capacity, item right. capacity. Right. You have specific save points. But the new survival, like, if I were to read, like, I don't think survival horror exists the same as it used to. Um, I think that went away after Resident Evil, which one were they in Africa? Five? I don't remember. Um, Six, maybe? I think it was five, and then I never played after that. Five locked you in areas where you had limited ammo, but you had to kill all the enemies to leave. That's not survival horror anymore, that's... Uh, survival action ish. Yeah. I don't know. It was stupid. You shouldn't well, have limited well, this ammo. Is, well, this is basically very much. It's crafting. So it's, it's like it's No Man's Sky, Minecraft, yeah. where you're just in a sandbox. You need to collect such and such amount of plant yeah. fibers to create clothing. You need to right. search everything because then you find things like medication. You find things like food. You find things like 
You can pick up water from a lake, but if you drink it, you're going to get dysentery. You're going to crap yourself. And and the, you the have goal to of boil it, though, the water off. The is goal to is to survive. However, zombies are everywhere. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you need to survive. But now every night, if you play it the way it's set up to play, you can of course adjust these settings any way you want. You play it the way you're supposed to play it at night. The zombies can run, and they're much more ferocious. So the objective is don't be out at night. Nice. So you got to build a shelter. You got to find a shelter. And and go from there. It's how long can you survive? And then every seventh night, which is why they call it Seven Days to Die. Uh, I know you're a Legend of Zelda fan. You remember the Blood Moons? Uh, yes. The Breath of the Wild. Yes, the Blood Moons that uh, revive every enemy that you've killed. Basically, the Blood Moon is Respawns every everybody. seventh day. Oh, okay. The zombies get incredibly feral. They group oh. up and they hunt you down actively. So you have to prepare. You have seven days to really prepare for that assault. Mm-hmm. Is your base going to be strong enough to withstand? Is your ammo supply going to be strong enough to withstand? Um, are you sequestered and hidden enough to withstand? And then that's just the loop. You just do that over and, we, and it gets and over progressively again. harder and harder and harder. Uh, and then when you die, you you would have to start over completely. No, if you have a base and you have like a, a bed laid down in the base or a, a you can bed, save. And it's basically saves your progress. You respawn back at your base, okay. but you lose everything that's in your backpack, your belt, or both. Okay, you set okay. it up. I have it set up to where uh, you keep what's in your belt, but you lose everything. So yeah, it's definitely like a survival it. thing. With it's a, fun with uh, it's, a hard. It's very I relaxing. Minecraft probably has that kind of mode. Yeah. Uh, no Man's Sky I know has the survival type mode. But this is more. It's more realistic this, I, I hate to say realistic in, in terms of a zombie invasion but it's more is, realistic right well it sounds like you're it's a person it's a earth obviously yes uh it's not doesn't sound like it's super pixel or boxy like minecraft no. um but you have it sounds like you also have a slightly more urgency than one of those other crafting slash survival games where you have something that's going to happen in seven days that if you aren't prepared for I'll loan you the PS4 version so you can give it a shot. You can tell me what you think of that. It's an older version of the game, hmm. so the mechanics are a bit different. But I don't know if I'll version. be able to get into it because a lot of those like crafting games, there's there's a there's a I don't know. Like I, I tried to play Minecraft and it got very relaxing at times. Um, there's very much a grinding aspect to it. But yes, then it starts feeling like you're grinding, and that immediately turns me off of a game. I, that's why I've started liking um, roguelikes lately. Like I'm not good at them, but roguelikes have been just fun. You pick up, you play uh, Archero, I guess it is, on the uh, on phones, mobile. Mm-mm, I haven't played that. So you just you start here. You you uh, you go into the game. You start. Uh, you get maybe an upgrade at the beginning and you get a random set of upgrades that you have to choose as you go through it and then everything gets erases at the end of it. Like, uh, there's Risk of Rain 2 I've played also on, on PlayStation. Same type of thing. Uh, that one you can play with people. Um, but well, like with the No Man's Skies, it's relaxing for a while and I'm just like, this is taking too much time. Yeah, No Man's Sky got really grindy for me. And and I've I've messed around with it now that it's back on in with the VR settings and everything. So I've messed around with it a bit. I couldn't do VR in that one. Yeah, I got kind of motion sick. I was gonna die. <laughs> I got kind of motion sick. That and there was a zombie game with the VR called uh, Arizona Sunshine. I love Arizona Sunshine. I do too. But at first, when I was playing it, I don't know if it was because I was just new to uh, PSVR in general. Yeah. But I got so fucking motion sick with that game. I sat down to play that one <laughs> uh, because I didn't want to get motion sick. 
and I did the, I have to do the warp movement. Which sucks. Which sucks, but it's the only way I can not be motion sick. Yeah. I've played games without it, and I just can't. That's why I can't. Them. That's why I can't play Doom VR. Yeah, no, I don't know how. Like, who's doing that? Like, who? I, what? I have it. I've played it. It's just. Ugh. I feel like so that would be an instant headache. I played Eve Valkyrie. I think it was. Oh yeah, no, that's a lot of movement. Yeah, and I was I played it for a little while, and I was like, this is very cool, but also I feel no, thank you <laughs> sweaty and like dizzy afterwards nauseous yeah but uh so i guess uh skyrim no man's or not no man's sky but uh seven days to die and then uh if i had to pick any other game that really stood out to me over the last decade i would probably say uh, breath of the wild oh well yeah uh and i played it i don't want to say like there's not too many consoles that are must buy consoles for me and not too many games that will force me out to buy a console specifically for a game. Now, of course, I don't need any provocation to buy a console. I have them all. I do that. Except for the N-Gage. Except for the N-Gage. I just can't justify that. <laughs> but um, I played it first on the Wii U. Oh, you did? You went I with the Wii U version? all huh? the way through the Wii U version. Oh, that's right. I remember you telling me that. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. It was fantastic. So, of course, when like the Black Friday sales and all that stuff hit... I went and picked up a Switch, and the first game I bought on the Switch, Breath of the Wild. I didn't care that I had bought it twice Yeah. at the full <laughs> featured price. That game is so amazing. My kids loved watching me play that game. It's a very fun game to play. It takes aspects and elements of games that I've been growing up with my entire life. Uh, the Legend of Zelda universe Yeah. gives it more of a story... Gives it more of a, a plot thread to follow. Gives Makes it a crazy it, open amount of stuff to do. So much to do. Like and I played that through open Wind Waker. World nature of that was so great. I got everything in Wind Waker. Like I collected all the figurines. Mm-hmm. I got the glowing like super armor that makes him look like he's about to turn Super Saiyan. <laughs> like the, it has glowing energy coming off of him. I got everything. I I found everything in Wind Waker. I loved that game. Um, not in Breath of the Wild. I just picked Lord, up the no. HD remaster. You'd be doing it forever in Breath oh, of the Wild. Oh, like, like every armor set, everything like that. I try. I started trying, and then trying just to get the dragon scales and get that timing right. Yeah, was ridiculous. I, I distinctly remember when I first started playing that game. I was very, very pissed about it because it reminded me of a game I used to play on the PlayStation called uh, Dark Cloud. And Ooh, I know what you're talking the about. Never breakable played it, weapon. Ooh, interesting. Maybe I should try Dark Cloud. Dark Cloud was fun. It was just a dungeon adventure. Dungeon floor by floor by floor. Yeah. Um, very simple. Very they very all Legend of Zelda-esque. Yeah. But the breakable weapon mechanic almost soured me on the game. I hated that aspect so much to begin with. And then as I got more and more invested in the game, I don't know when the switch happened... But I didn't. You were just fine with it. I was fine with it. You well, there was a point in that game. Well, and there was a point in that game where you realized that it wasn't that detrimental. Like it was once you get past your nerd rage outrage. And and at first, it's like you're kind of in a in a very locked in area, and you don't have very many options for weapons. And you've got sticks breaking, and then rusted axes you pick up from Bobakins or whatever the heck their names are. Bobakins. Yeah, you've got. 
their weapons, but they keep breaking on you because they're not durable. But later in the game, you're getting high durability weapons. And then, of course, when you get the Master Sword. Right. And then you you wonder, hey, is this thing going to break? And then them, they introduce that mechanic of it having to recharge, basically. Power down, yeah. Yeah. So, like, and if you have full health with that, you will be able to throw little, like... Bolts. Bolts from it. Um, so it kind of, you know, they, they stay true to all the old lore stuff. But I never had a problem with the breaking... Just because I always kind of... That always made me feel more immersed in a game like that. Right, it gave you more stakes. Yeah. Um, I don't recall, because it's been a while since I've picked up Breath of the Wild. Are you, you're you not able to repair weapons that you own already, are you? Um, I think you have to break it. I think you can make them again at, like, weapons. Yeah, I don't remember. I think certain ones you can... I don't recall the exact mechanic, but it wasn't necessarily like you just walk in and say, hey, I'd like to pay some money to repair this thing. Because they were plentiful. You could pick them up off of any enemy, pretty much. Right. There was a few special ones. Those yeah, there were, was ways to refine certain weapons. The, the special ones that were for like missions and stuff. Right. You could recraft those weapons. There was ways to recraft them or refine them. Um, and then the basic ones, those were like all over. Like, yeah, there was the... There's a sweet katana one that you only got from those weird wind ninjas or whatever. Um, that I I hated those guys. I, I liked their katana though. Yeah, but <laughs> it, it it became a thing where you weren't like, oh, I have to. Um, oh, my weapon broke in the middle of this battle, and I don't have one that I can. Does a couple less damage. Mm-hmm. Squirreled away in my large amount of inventory slots. It was never a problem. You collected up into those little gold turds to get. Uh, an upgrade, and you didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> the Corexies. Yeah, the gold turds. They're turds. The fact that the, someone did collect them all, which is, again, would never Ludicrous. do it. And then the last one they got was a nice coiled up golden turd. <laughs> and then you realize, oh, these were just turdlets. Turdlets. Uh, to add to the giant turd that it will My become. gosh, hilarious. And what an F you to fans, too, though. Um, I wasted all this time to collect a golden poop. Oh, the only thing I wasted all of my time was to find all the shrines. I found all the shrines. I think game. I got close. And I waited to beat the game. It took me two years to beat the game because I waited to get those, uh, all the shrines before I beat it. Um, I'm ready to do another playthrough, I think. I I might be. I've got a lot of other stuff to try to play through. I'm supposed to be trying to make it through get Death Stranding, but I, I can't. Yeah. I don't like that game <laughs> i've been playing jedi fallen order recently and i really enjoyed this this finally ea gave us a game that wasn't battlefront that wasn't um, a cash grab yeah that didn't feel like uh loot boxes and and pay-as-you-go mechanics were a part of it you get that in you find these chests in the game but they're they're free but that's just set up yeah that's just set up it. it's that's just it back where it should be well, that's just the Metroidvania type aspect of the Absolutely. gameplay. Um, is that there's chests that you can see, but you can't get to because you don't have an ability or a power or whatever, or an upgrade, and you have to go back to the planets, which was very interesting. I was going through, like, looking at the hollow map and trying to go Into through and collect everything. everything. Yeah. Um, the, the things that I dislike about that game are the, the platforming is very glitchy. Yeah. Uh, and fun when it works, but frustrating when it doesn't. Right. The customization of the lightsaber was great, but also, like, I don't need that many ponchos, though. Like, <laughs> like give him a different outfit. You had three colors, three or four color customizations for his, like, But you can change outfit. BD-1. 
But his oh, that was fun. That uh, that's fine. I like that because he was sitting on his back. You could see him. It's a great little thing to be able to do. Uh, you don't see your ship that much. That customization was a little bit useless. Yes. Um, but like the poncho, like I don't need a, that many ponchos. Yeah. No one needs that many ponchos. No. Um, Calcastus needs as many ponchos. Apparently, like where does he store all of these ponchos? Uh, the force. The force. Excellent answer. Yes, because he can just pull them out of nowhere. I just I don't know. That reminds me. I know we need to wrap up. We've been talking a long a long time and. Uh, one of the games that I played back in the day on the PC was... I'm a huge Star Trek fan. They had uh, Star Trek Voyager uh, shoot 'em up game. I know the one. I Elite think that Forces. came out for a PlayStation yeah. system as well. They might have. I believe I played that one. And I love the way they explained the inventory in that I game. just watched a video on YouTube about that, Transporter too. buffer. <laughs> yeah. Everything's stored in a transporter. You get a little teeny... It's transporter sound when you do the weapon switch. Yeah, that's so fucking funny. It was that's amazing. So awesome. Every, Dug it. Every character, like uh, Link, needs to have a little transporter buffer. He's got all of his weapons in storage. That's what I always assumed it was. Well, there you go. In or every like, case. Well, with D and D, it was always a bag of holding. There you go. You got just this infinite amount of space in this bag that fits over your shoulder, like Chewbacca. Like Chewbacca's thinking, fucking game. Or yeah, bag. The, yeah. The, yeah. Everything's in there. Everything just fits. Yeah. Where does Chewbacca pull that fucking bowcaster out from? Nobody knows. He didn't have it last scene, but all of a sudden he's shooting stormtroopers across the room with it. Where that bowcaster. That, that doesn't fit anywhere. That bowcaster makes me mad. The Force. That's true. Well, I definitely feel like we should wrap up now. We've been jabbing a while. Uh, I want to thank you, Ethan, for, for coming on with me and just talking video game nerdry and I mean and everything else we talked about of I course mean, uh, it's nice to finally just sit down and be able to have a a grown up conversation with you yeah for without, sure uh, you know trying to I don't get to talk to about video games enough I don't get to talk to grown ups enough which is why That's I do true. this podcast <laughs> I mean I, I spend my day dealing with kids and people working retail so I mean people who act like kids but uh, very true uh, I, I definitely want to thank you for coming on, and of course, you're welcome back anytime. Sweet, thank you uh, for having me. Absolutely, and uh, uh, I want to thank you guys for listening to yet another ga- episode of Feel Your Fandom podcast. Uh, if this is getting on before where I think it's going to get on, it's going to be right before the new year. So I want to wish everybody uh, happy holidays and uh, a wonderful 2020 coming up. Uh, make the best of it make the best of what you can do and of course like i always try to remind everybody everything is fandom and fandom is everything thanks